What's up, everyone? I am super excited to have my next guest on Lattes with Lindsay. Her name is Crystal. She is a naturopath, and she's going to educate us on the profession and what the benefits are of it and really dive down into the true definition of what it is and what it's all about. So without further ado, Crystal, how are you doing today? Very good. How are you doing? Good, good. We are hanging in this 30-degree weather, so loving it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and you know how long you've been in practice and, and what really took you on to this career? Um, yeah, so I, um, I guess how it all sort of started is when I was a younger kid, I was really, really sick all the time. I was probably in the doctor's office at least once a month and each time I would go in there, it was, you know, here's a script for an antibiotic and I couldn't even, I, I don't even want to think about how many uh, courses of antibiotics I've been on in my life. Um, but I was just a very, very sickly child. And I remember even in high school where if I caught a cold or a flu, it would literally knock me out for about two days. Like I just couldn't get out of bed. I was so sick. Um, and I was just thinking like, you know, there's got to be a better answer besides antibiotics all the time. And so this is well before the time of the internet, which would probably give your listeners an idea of how old I am. Um, But (laughs) this is, yeah, well before the internet where when you went to go do research, it was literally you plopped your backside down at the library or you found magazines laying around the house and you just kind of went through books and magazines and sort of pieced together you know, information. And, um, I slowly started to come across, you know, different home remedies. My parents were born in Guyana. And so there's always, you know, a reliance on using herbs to help yourself. And so learning about those things and then reading about things just coming across different readings and thinking like, Oh, wow, this is interesting. And so made modifications to my diet. Um, I, I was at one point consuming, I think it was, you remember those, um, and I think they still sell them, the concentrated juice that's frozen? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then you would like yes, dilute it with it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I even yes. remember at one point, like just taking a spoon and eating it frozen. Like I just, I look back and I shudder. Um, but I mean, oh, one those of- Those were so good though. <laughs> they were, holy shit, sugar, sugar. Yeah. yeah just nuts, sugar. But- you know, in in our household, I would go through one of those a day. And like, when I just think of the massive sugar content, like besides the other things I was consuming, it was just really problematic for my body. Um, So I made a lot of shifts and, you know, was instead of being bedridden from getting a cold or flu, you know, I'd be able to still soldier on. Um, and then instead of it happening every month, it was now happening, you know, twice a year. And so, you know, when you go into university that first, I was, I guess we're all naive on some level. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I just assume when I went into university, it would be an opportunity for me to have a year to kind of dick around, figure out what I needed to do. And then declare my major, not knowing that you need to declare your major literally the first six weeks. Um, And so I'm panicking because I'm just like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do in my life, blah, blah, blah. And there was a career fair. And um, and oddly enough, there was a naturopathic doctor there, which, and I say oddly enough, because I don't even think they do this at all anymore. Um, And there just happened to be a naturopathic doctor there. And he was talking about sort of what naturopathic medicine was 
And I was just like, oh, like this is totally like what I've been kind of doing and advocating for myself all my life. And like, this is kind of cool that I can do this and make money. Like I'm, I'm okay with this. Um, <laughs> and so it's like, all right, let, let's, let's go into this. And, um, yeah. And ever since then it's, um, I, I just geared my education towards naturopathic medicine. And I guess this is for a different podcast, different topic, but you know, my parents didn't know I was going to become a naturopathic doctor until the day before the first day of classes. And cause they assumed I was just going to U of T for medicine. Um, and that was, that was an interesting experience. <laughs> <laughs> One you'll never forget. One I'll never forget, but you know what? I wouldn't change it for any other way. Um, because you know, at the end of the day, there's no other profession I'd want to be in. Um, and you know, going back to your question about how long I've been doing this, I've been in clinical practice for a little over 10 years now. Um, and I, I don't know, I just, I live it. I, you know, my husband will even tell you there's, I'm always doing something with regards to naturopathic medicine. Um, if it's not reading something, it's, if it's not listening to podcasts or getting involved in some shape or form in health, um, it's something that I definitely, I, it's, yeah, to say it's a passion of mine is a bit of an understatement, but yeah, it is. I, it is. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And it's, and it's wicked because when you meet people like yourself and, you know, you understand their drive and their vision with their career, it's outstanding because then you watch how they work with the clients and they show so much power and, and emphasis on how much they care for that client and it shows. And that's, that's so wicked. That's so yeah. cool. And your, your story is great because, um, I find every single therapist who I've had on this podcast has really had such an adventure, either as a kid or an athlete or, you know, some type of um, concern when they were growing up that motivated them to drive themselves right into the avenue of their career, which is yeah. wicked. So, and 10 years, that's, that's incredible, you know, and, and especially yeah, in healthcare. Got the, got the gray hairs to show it. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, it's funny though, because sometimes you wake up and you're like, oh man, you know, like another day. But when you're excited about it, it's like those gray hairs, they don't matter. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's just it. Like I have a lot of um, naturopathic students who will come and sometimes shadow with me. And a lot of times, you know, I guess they sort of appreciate the honesty that I share with them. And I tell them like, it's work. Like there are things about our profession that I just want to like, roll my eyes a million times over or just sort of like there's yeah there, it's they have it, it it's there are the moments that exist that are truly frustrating and just like baby jesus take the wheel right now um and then <laughs> yes, you know yeah yes. then there are like other times where it's just like you you have those one-on-one -on -one patient encounters or you see the power of what your medicine can do for somebody and you're just like Oh god damn like this okay yes i'm i'm back in the game you know so and i think that's the same with any profession yeah it's so night and day with some people too like some it takes time you got to help them understand what you do and help them understand you know what the outcome could be but yeah. then you get those other ones who are just like feed me information like just mm -hmm. bring my brain to an explosion because the more they know about themselves the better yes. so you know, with your 10 years of clinical experience, which is amazing, 
you know, tell us a little bit about like your, your pelvic examinations at Ryerson or your, you know, your women's college hospital at UFC. Yeah. Like, tell us a little bit about that. That's wicked. That is, oh my God, that is such a rewarding aspect of what I do. Um, when I was a naturopathic intern or a student, because it's a four-year program after you've graduated from a university, and um, my sort of philosophy, the way how I learn anything in life is through experience. So I, put me in front of a book and I can read it a bajillion times over and I'll probably retain a portion of it. But if I can actually live the experience, then it's like it's stuck in my brain. And then it's also, I think it provides really valuable information for my patients because I can actually speak from an authentic place to say like, okay, you're about to go on, start this protocol. I'm going to tell you what you're probably going to experience, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I will be brutally honest with them. And I'll say like, yeah, this is going to be a wild ride. Uh, <laughs> or, you know, I don't know if I can swear, but. Uh, you can, but yeah. you can totally okay. do. This is a free for all, whatever Sweet. you want. Yes. Um, Cause I've been told I have the mouth of a dirty sailor. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's just, um, it's about really living it and then being able to express it from an authentic place. So long story short, when I was um, in second year, um, I knew that come third year, I would have to do a gynecological exam on someone because you have to pass that component before you can move on to fourth year. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, this looks so complicated. This looks so scary. I need to, and there was a program that existed where I could sign up, be a student, and I would get paid $40 per exam, which in hindsight is like, holy crap, talk about being undervalued, underpaid for your vagina. But again, yes. different podcast, <laughs> different topic. And um, I, I got into that program because it allowed me to experience a gynecological exam from a patient's point of view. And every time it was happening, I could see what the practitioners were doing. And I would make little mental notes in the back of my head thinking, okay, when I am in this role, I will not do that, or I will do that. And somehow how life happens, I got recruited um, by the GTP program and they're based in Toronto and they had been teaching U of T doctors for years um, how to do a gynecological exam. And so when I joined, I went through all of the, um, the training and, and shadowing and all of that. And then the program slightly got um, the original leaders had left. And so then the program was left with myself and the two other teachers. And yeah, we, we continued doing it. And so basically, you know, once a year we go to Ryerson, we teach the midwife, uh, midwifery students how to perform a well-person um, examination, gynecological examination. And once or twice a year, we'll work with the sexual assault nurses. Um, and they basically have a big conference in Toronto at the Women's Health College. And we have the absolute honor of working with these sexual assault nurses, teaching them how to perform a well-person pelvic examination. And for me, it's, I think I get goosebumps telling this story over and over again, because I remember I've been doing this work for about 12 years now. And I remember... Um, five-ish years ago, we were we had wrapped up um, teaching the sexual assault nurses and we were going downstairs to leave. So we walked through the lobby and I saw a woman there who looked absolutely distraught and she was there with a police officer. And so you know that 
at it's you know 9:30 at night that uh, college is only open after hours to 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 manage and process sexual assault victims i knew in that moment like oh my god it is so unfortunate that the work that we are teaching has to exist but thank god that it exists because those sexual assault nurses who go to provide the first line of care and comfort for that person it's so such a needed thing. And you can't just ask somebody who's had a major assault to their body to then say like, we're just going to do a speculum exam and I'm going to be rough with your body. And it doesn't matter because I'm going to collect evidence. There's, there are nuances to it. There are techniques to it. And, you know, I just, am so grateful that I can be part of a team that, that teaches so many healthcare practitioners how to be sensitive to the spoken and unspoken words of, of the patients but to also gain that confidence with the use of a speculum. Like, it's funny because when you hold up a speculum to somebody, they're like, geez, good God, that's, 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 yeah, like, exactly. Like, that's quite a tool. <laughs> Get that away from me. That tool. <laughs> um, and a lot of practitioners, you know, it's really commonplace that you read about it in a textbook. You might get a chance to handle the tool. And the first time you use that tool is on a patient. There's no sort of like lead up stackling. Yeah. yeah. There's and no so practical to part. See a lot yeah. Of people who, um, a lot of practitioners who have a lot of um, anxiety around that examination after we teach them how to, you know, adequately do it, it's just, it's such a beautiful thing to see their confidence increase and their stress levels decrease. And you just know that, like, my little fledglings are going to go out into the world and like practice such beautiful, you know, safe space care with, with people. And so that then eventually led me down the role of getting additional training in pelvic floor health. Um, and so I became a pelvic floor, um, therapist, um, about two, three years ago. And the story with that was, you know, I was 30 years old at a Whole Foods in California, and there has always been a running joke, joke all my life that I knew where every bathroom was in the world because I had to use them all the time. <laughs> and yes. um, yeah, and, and, you know, just assuming that's a running joke. And I remember I was at a Whole Foods at 30 years old, um, and I peed myself, like full on, couldn't stop myself, just, just it just, just happened and okay. I was like okay this is great okay I need to find the washroom but I obviously know where it is because I know the layout of all whole foods bathrooms and um yeah and I remember like just embarrassed mortified but also like I've been there like but also getting to that moment of like I'm tired of this bullshit like I've not even had a child so like I can only imagine what life will be like after that. Um, so mm-hmm. you know, went saw a pelvic floor therapist, got treated, and I remember thinking like, oh my god, this is wizardry. Like this is this is magic, and I need to learn this magic because I just need to know. Um, and then I took the courses, and yeah, it's something that I incorporate. 
I wouldn't say it comprises a major component of my practice simply because I work with other pelvic floor physiotherapists um, one-on-one fairly frequently. So I usually will just refer and we'll do parallel care. So um, I'll be able to work on their gut health and their hormones while the pelvic floor therapist is working on the actual manual component. Um, But it's just, it's such a beautiful thing when you can have practitioners from different modalities really collaborate and really bring about the most efficient and effective healthcare to those patients. Absolutely. And I, and I love, I am so obsessed with teamwork. Yes. Like, uh, you know, I've, I've had the experience where I've worked at one place, you know, single, like as a, a single healthcare professional. Yeah. And then I went to a clinic base where there was, you know, everyone you could think of. And it was so amazing. And I couldn't agree more because we were able to, you know, inter refer everyone and really work off each other too. You know, if, if I'm getting a half an hour treatment in and I'm saying I'm going to work on, you know, the stomach, if they just had a surgery working on that scar tissue, yeah. then, you know, I can get the physio to work on ultrasound and it's just, it's so beautiful. I love teamwork. Yeah. It's funny. And, cause, uh, yeah. Like yeah. when I started out, it was sort of like, you know, you got to prove yourself to the, to the world that you are an amazing practitioner. So you need to do it all and you need to sort of like master everything. And, you know, as years pass, you realize like, no, you can't master everything and you do need to sort of like niche out. But also the more you sort of dig yourself into this insular hole like you lose out on all of these beautiful networks that exist out there that are ultimately there to make your life as a practitioner easier um, and more effective. And then when patients like see like, holy crap, like I just got the most amazing care because I got connected with, you know, this particular practitioner, uh, practitioner, that's how you generate more business and that's how you generate more Mm -hmm. referrals. And yeah, unfortunately it took me many years to learn that lesson. Um, But you know, yeah, now it's just, I am, I've come to a place where I I'm slowing down in my practice because I'm getting tired and you know, there is that thing known as burnout, which I'm learning to sort of manage and, you know, slowing down, taking time out for myself, but again, learning the, the bigger lesson that it is so important to network even more and to collaborate even more because if I'm not going to be seeing my patients as often, I need to have a really great referral source um, mm-hmm. and sort of making sure that my patients are getting the care that I think is best for them. Yeah. And that's so like anything that I've been taught even during school was to start connecting like anywhere, go to conferences, go to courses, online programs, podcasts, you know, anything that you can really connect with someone or understand what their profession's about, or even the same profession, you can always learn something from that person. And then there's your new connection. And whether it's on LinkedIn or just on Instagram or whatever, then at least you have that person to always connect with and move forward and, and hopefully, you know, get some information from them even later down the road, if they have more courses that they took, right? So yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And so um listeners, this is also super cool because she was telling me um in her bio that she's also the founder of Durham's region's largest community acupuncture program. So why don't you tell me about that? That's so cool. That's very yeah. fun fact. That that has been a labor of love, which has obviously been put on hold due to COVID. Um but yes. <laughs> <laughs> again, sort of COVID has just been such a 
interesting gem that has been dropped into my world because obviously if COVID didn't happen, you and I wouldn't have connected um, and, you know, make this connection here. And then if COVID didn't happen, a lot of things in my life wouldn't have happened that have actually led to some beautiful things. But one of the sort of downsides with COVID is um, we've had to put the community acupuncture program on hold, but basically um, I was, I did, I think five or six years ago, I took the McMaster contemporary acupuncture um, course and that fundamentally changed the way how I looked at and treated the body. And what was really interesting is at the naturopathic college, we get trained in traditional Asian medicine and how to do acupuncture from that standpoint. But that program certainly left me so scared to needle people. Like I just remember, <laughs> like we, it was drilled into us, like don't needle too deep because you'll you'll hit the nerve and you'll hit oh, yes. this blood vessel and blah blah blah. And it just got me. You know, despite the ten thousand hours of needling experience that we had before, they're like I was still fundamentally nervous needling people. Like I would only go for like the really meaty parts on people's bodies that I felt pretty confident, like I could get. Yep. And, um, I took the contemporary acupuncture course, um, and which is, which is a different side story, but took the contemporary acupuncture course and I, yeah, it was just such an amazing course. Definitely helped to increase my confidence needling. And it slowly, I think within the year of taking that course, 80% of my caseload just became acupuncture patients because I was just like, okay, I know how to fix this person. We're throwing in needles and this is what we're doing and foundational work. We'll do some supplements, change up diet, but you know, I can adequately get to the patient's needs really quickly through needles and, you know, being really successful at that. And as the years were going on, just realizing that a lot of my patients who come to see me, um, you know, they, they come to see me because they have the privilege and, and, and the benefits of having extended healthcare benefits to access my care and, or they have the privilege where they have money to pay out of pocket to come and see me. And so I had one patient population who would come and see me and pay out of pocket, but I also knew that they needed to see me far more often, but because they're paying out of pocket, it's just not a very sustainable model for them. And then I had another patient population where I would see them because I would do um, workshops and sort of different things out of a yoga studio. And I could see that there was a need for patients who couldn't afford to see me one-on-one, -on -one, but needed the care. And so one of the things in naturopathic college that they would touch on is sort of like that social justice component. And me being a person of color, like I know I grew up incredibly, like we lived in some of the worst poverty um, for 10 years of my life. And we were homeless for two weeks. And to be able to have lived that experience and then, you know, get through naturopathic college and again, that atrocious debt of $120,000 and eventually pay that off. But to have, have that lived experience and to know that there are people who exist in my own community who, you know, there's this assumption that, because you live in the suburbs, that you are financially well off. Um, and so what I was noticing was that I lived in the suburbs. We were dirt poor. There were times where we were literally trying to find like nickels and dimes to buy bread at the time. And, you know, seeing that there was 
there was care, like there was um, a pay what you can afford model that existed, but it was in downtown Toronto. And it was like, you couldn't ask me in my twenties wow. to go downtown Toronto because I had other obligations and the cost of gas, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it was something that I think I had a lot of guilt when I graduated and, and came into practice. Um, a lot of guilt for the first five years trying to think like, you know, I'm really serving a population that I could argue doesn't necessarily need me per se. And so, um, you know, as time passed on, I just was just like, you know what, there's plenty of pay what you can afford. Um, and I wouldn't say plenty. There was about five, a handful of them downtown Toronto, but there was nothing in Pickering, um, Pickering, Ontario. And I was just like, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to try. So I ended up starting to offer it um, once, once a month, or sorry, I think it, I think it was every Saturday. And um, the first two sessions, I think there was only maybe five or six people. And by the third session, I somehow, by the grace of God, needled 24 people in two and a half hours. Oh my which God. is if you are a practitioner, wow. that is fucked up. That's like that impressive. is, I look, back, it, it's, I look back and I think it was madness. Like I remember after every single session being so exhausted because I literally, it was just me. It was me. I was needling and I was cupping. Wow. Um, and I had like a line of people anyway. So after several weeks of sort of tweaking that up and realizing like I will actually die of a heart attack or my back might physically break um, if I continue this way, um, I modified things so that I was seeing basically three to four patients per hour. Um, and so um, I was doing it twice a week and then just for, um, I guess, for for the sake of my own social life, I reduced it down to once a week. Um, and it's definitely, um, you know, some practitioners are afraid of that idea of a pay what you can afford model. And I can tell you it was very financially a good idea to do. Um, <laughs> it's work though. Like it is work. And so <laughs> prior to COVID, I was booked out um, three months in advance offering it every Saturday, you know, and it's just, there's a need. That's amazing to hear. Yeah. And, and it just, for me anyways, it, it shows to me that there is such a need and a demand for the community. And, um, obviously now things are, I'm in the process of sort of rethinking, revamping, because again, to try and work with disinfection and not having a weight and et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I'm not sure what's going to happen with that model right now, but I do know that if anybody is thinking of creating a pay what you can afford model and is um, feeling scared, nervous, you know, by all means, message me on Instagram. I have plenty of insights to offer. I'm happy to share that because I think, you know, community is so important to me and I feel like I'm happy to support anything that will support a healthy growing community. Wow. That I hope everyone's excited about that because that speaks huge volumes about you as a person and you as a, a professional because, you know, we have so many different professionals in our professional world 
that are, you know, unfortunately so driven by money financially or, you know, trying to get the most clients in one day. But then, you know, there's people who care and, and I love, I love meeting people like you because, um, you know, it honestly gives the community hope because there are so many different, there's so many different types of professionals that want to give back to the community and educate them on, you know, what the greatest thing is for them. And, you know, sometimes money is a huge thing for some people, you know, and the fact that it doesn't matter if, you know, you have five bucks or a hundred bucks, because that may be the only amount of money to get them help. So with you doing that is amazing because you're also helping that person and, and using whatever they have to the best of their abilities too. And that's so great. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting model. Yeah. And I think, I think it's probably gaining a little bit of traction and sort of popularity in, in at least Canada or Ontario that I can speak to. Um, Yeah. I hope we see more of it. I think, you know, for new grads, I know what it was like. I think you know too what it's like to be a new grad when you've got all of that debt hanging over your head and you're just thinking like, oh yeah, gotta pay the bills, gotta pay this down, you know? And you get caught in that rat race. Um, So it can be scary to think that like, man, all this knowledge, all of this this work, this hard work and, and financial investment I've put into my education to know that maybe somebody might pay me zero dollars or five dollars is, 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 is scary. Um, but I think, you know, and it's happened many times where sort of with, with my model, it's capped off that you pay the max amount is $50. And, um, I've had multiple times patients still put in a hundred, put in 60, you know? So it's, it really is. I think when people, see that you're actually operating from a place of like, you genuinely want to help and see people get better. And there are going to be times where that person cannot afford to see you and you still give them the same level of care. Um, and there are going to be times where people can afford to see you and they're happy to pay more than what is requested of them. Um, and so, yeah, I, I hope more practitioners kind of get that because then they'll see like, this is, this is a financially you know, sustainable model. Um, but yeah, just be prepared to work and sweat. <laughs> sweat out. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a good cardio <laughs> movement session and you know, yeah, exactly. Oh, and, and I find that, you know, people sometimes forget that we're called health care professionals and the care part is the most essential part of our job. And, you know, that really defines someone's profession truly, you know, how much they truly do care about their, their clients. So why don't we dive into, you know, the true definition of naturopath? So can you kind of explain what it is and what the benefits are for the general public? Yeah. So it's, um, and thank you for calling us naturopaths instead of the natural paths. Yes. Um, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I get that a lot. And especially if I see it like written somewhere, I just like my scalp starts to tingle. Oh, I know. Um, and it's like when someone way. says masseuse, I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I have I some words for you. I can't believe that's actually said. I, oh, I still get clients. They're like, oh yeah. Like I used to have a masseuse who was like this. And I was like, really? And how what? did you have a good time? <laughs> yeah, that's, wow. That's not my I job. can't even believe oh, yeah. that's a thing still. Oh yeah. Wow. Very much so. Um, <laughs> that's, that's sad, but 
I'm glad that you are changing people's perspectives uh, one by one, right? That's, yep. that's how it goes. <laughs> um, but in terms of, you know, when I have patients, so, you know, I work out of um, right now two clinics, so one in Burlington and one in downtown Toronto, and they're vastly different practices. Um, the one in the downtown Toronto core, um, it's at the Advanced Pelvic Physiotherapy Center. And so that one, typically what I find there is we have a lot of patients who have have been through the the wars with regards to their pelvic health. And so they we're kind of like the last stop shop for them because they're just like, we need answers. We've exhausted everything. And so a lot of those patients, when they come and see me, they don't even know what a naturopathic doctor is. And so how I typically will describe it is um, we are like your general practice doctor, except we're not going to be prescribing you pharmaceuticals. We're going to be prescribing you and making recommendations on your diet, your lifestyle, you know, assessing if you have any deficiencies, um, anything within with regards to your health that we can sort of optimize, tweak and make better. Um, Because ultimately your body has this innate healing power that, it's for whatever reason, you know, it's not operating where it needs to be. And so my role is to simply identify what those obstacles are, and then you do the work to remove those obstacles. Um, so, you know, some of like our tenants, you know, first do no harm um, and relying on the healing power of nature. So within our scope as naturopathic doctors in Ontario, Provided you've passed um, the prescription exam, which is a, or the pharmacology exam, which is a beast of an exam. um, So I've heard, so I've heard. Let me tell you, I used to write exams. If an exam told me it would take me three hours to write it, I could write it in an hour and a half and then get up, go. And that was the end of it. And I was passing them beautifully. That pharmacology exam thank the Lord Jesus, I passed it the first time because I legit had a full on panic attack. My face turned white. The woman asked me if I was okay. And I was like, I think I'm dying. Um, and you know, I gave myself, I literally had my watch on and I timed it. I gave myself two minutes to have my panic attack and I'm like, okay, time to get my shit back in order and start to write it again. Um, Anyways, so um, provided you've passed that lovely exam, um, we can do things like we can prescribe bioidentical hormones, we can do B12 injections, IV therapy, we can prescribe certain things. Now, if you're in British Columbia, a naturopathic doctor, believe it or not, can prescribe antidepressants, which is wow. kind of fucking weird if you ask me. Um, that's, that's, I've never anyways, heard of that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And we can prescribe or they can prescribe um, antibiotics, which to be fair, I would actually love to have access to antibiotics because I think if a patient's coming in with a urinary tract infection, I don't want them going home for like, I think sort of with my practice, it's, I've been in practice not long enough, but long enough to know sort of the the capacities of what my modalities can do for somebody. So I know if a patient's coming in with a raging UTI, I know within my naturopathic toolbox, I have XYZ that I can offer, but I also clinically know they're going to be suffering for about two, three days. And depending on the severity of it, I may not even feel comfortable. And I'm going to say, listen, you need to go to a walk-in clinic or to an ER. You need to get an antibiotic now. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> in that sense, I would love to have an antibiotic within my scope of practice so that I can treat something as simple as a UTI. Um, 
But really the role of a naturopathic doctor is to identify and treat the cause. So we want to, you know, patient A may come in with um, diabetes type 2 and patient B will also come in with diabetes type 2. But once we've done our intake, we have, we've talked about their socioeconomic state, like what's going on in their world, what's going on with their stress levels, what's going on with their diet, their, uh, their metabolism, et cetera, et cetera. And patient A, patient B two completely different protocols that you're going to initiate because they're two different human beings. Um, So, you know, it's, it's really tailoring and giving unique care to each person. And, you know, I I feel like this is more the case in the States where in the States um, medicine is practiced completely different and they've got functional medicine doctors and functional medicine doctors are pretty much your traditional medical doctor who have, learned sort of the tenets of naturopathic medicine and they will start to implement a lot of that and patients get better. Well, a duh, because it's not a one size fit all. And, you know, everybody is going to respond differently. And if you actually take the time to listen to somebody, you can actually get amazing clues to sort of like really optimize their health efficiently. Um, because you've actually taken the time to hear what their struggles are. And then it's literally just a matter of like, okay, I've identified that as an obstacle to you healing. Let's go ahead and address that. Um, So, you know, and it's treating the whole person, whereas your conventional, um, and I hate using the term conventional, but your traditional medical doctor, you know, their concern is if you come in with a sore throat, they're going to give you something to treat the sore throat. But if you're coming in to me with the sore throat, I'm going to be asking, okay, well, why is your immune system in the first place even causing you to have these sore throats that aren't like they're not um, they're not healing as fast as they should? Um, and it's so really treating the overall entire person. And I'm it, it's funny because you know. 10, 15 years ago, there was such this um, split between it's us versus them, naturopathic doctors versus conventional medicine doctors. And now, I mean, um, I think there's definitely more a move towards collaborative care. And so what I always tell my patients is every form of healing has its time and place. And there are going to be times where you are not going to need me as your practitioner on your healthcare team, because I cannot help you. I know the extent of what my modalities can do for you. And they're not going to get you the results that you need right now. You probably need to see a medical doctor. And here are some of the things that I would advise you having that conversation with your medical doctor to help get your point across. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and then there are other times where, you know, and, and that's sort of like, humbling yourself and understanding what your, your scope can do. Um, and, and just making sure that you're open-minded enough as a practitioner to really be able to work with other, other healthcare practitioners, because ultimately what I've seen anyways, is the patients who integrate all aspects of healthcare practitioners are the ones who get the best healthcare that get the best health outcomes. Um, And so I'm, yeah. And I'm a big advocate. I talk to my patients about this all the time. Like if they come in and they start bashing their doctor, I'm like, hold up. I'm sure some of that is warranted, but let's just (laughs) talk about what confines that, like what are sort of the things that hold them back from having 
better conversations with you. And that's the OHIP model. But yes. anyways, different yes. conversation. No, but the um, spectrum is right. I, I completely agree. And, and I 100% agree with everything you're saying because, you know, everyone is not the same, right? Everyone has, yeah. you know, a certain condition or concern that may be similar to another person that you treated before, but they may also have underlying things that that other person doesn't have. So you have to treat them completely different. So, um, you know, I, I am a, a pro with, with natural paths because at least you have that option of, um, exploring both types of doctors. You know, if, if one works for you, perfect. Yeah. if the other one doesn't work for you, perfect. At least you got to experience yeah. both and be educated on what both truly do. So, you yes. know, if it was my, first appointment for an example, you know, what would I have to like prepare myself like to come to an appointment with you? So that's a really good question. So my utopian patient, and I have a few of them where I'm just like, oh, you're so prepared. I love this. Um, Definitely before any patient comes to see me, there's an electronic intake that's sent to them. And so it's a fairly um, in-depth medical intake. And so my utopian patient would have finished all of that um, and completed it to their best of their capacities. Um, And on the first appointment, typically I somehow seem to attract lots of patients who have done their doctor Googling. And so they've bought lots of supplements and they're taking lots of cocktails of things. And so what I typically will tell a patient, (laughs) oh yeah, it's like, it, it, it blows my mind sometimes. It scares me um, because sometimes I think people think that just because it's natural, it's safe. And it's just like, oh, baby girl, like, no, no, that is, that is not the case. Um, but um, what I tell, I typically tell patients. So I guess even before that, before you even become a patient of mine, I will typically field out, I will do a 10, 15 minute meet and greet conversation with that person over the phone. And so I will hear, you know, a quick summary as to what their top three health concerns are. And then I will offer sort of like, this is how I would go about and treat your case. And if it resonates with you, awesome, book in for the initial. And if it doesn't, please go have these conversations with other naturopathic doctors because we all practice a little bit differently. I have a strong focus on pelvic health, gut health, and skin health. Um, But another naturopathic doctor has a different focus and treats completely different. So And that's the other thing that every naturopath, most naturopathic doctors anyways in Ontario, we do offer that sort of 10, 15 minute meet and greet. Um, Once that patient is, um, decides to become, once that person decides to become a patient, then they fill out that intake form. And then on the initial consult, I usually tell patients, listen, bring in any updated blood work, any imaging, bring in like literally, if you need to, in a garbage bag, put in all your supplements. Like if we have to go through them because I hate waste and if I feel like I can utilize some of the stuff they already have, like I'm happy to do that. Um, and, and then I have some patients who literally come in blank slate, no supplements, no medication. And I'm like, yes, this is, this is going to be a good day. Um, but, um, yeah, I tell patients, you know, um, if they're coming in for pelvic floor work, you know, you can be on your period, you can be not on your period. You don't. And it's so funny. Like I have patients who are just like, well, I didn't shave. And I'm like, I don't care. Like your pelvic floor is no different than an elbow to me. So see, like, that's I, what I'm talking yeah. about. Cause I have the same yeah. problems. I, you know, like some people tell me about, oh, you know, I have glute pain, but it refers to my hamstrings. And then 
I start working their hamstrings and they say, oh, yeah. uh, I, di- I didn't shave today. I'm sorry. And I'm like, honest to God, like you could be the hairiest yeah. person. It's still a leg. Exactly. It's still a leg. Yeah. <laughs> so amen. So what I, what I often <laughs> tell them is like, I will, if I'm wearing, like I'll, I'll typically wear like um, a dress and like tights and like, so I didn't shave either. And these tights are opaque. I wish I could show you like, you know, it. like it's just, I, I think it's, I think when you get into practice long enough and especially with the way how like we as practitioners are taught, like, you know, when you're in school, you're half body naked and you're just there for somebody else to do work on. And, um, you just get really comfortable with your body. So, um, yeah, so I do tell patients, like if you haven't shaved, I really don't care, but if it's, if you feel uncomfortable, that's fine do what you need to do on the next appointment. Um, but the, you know, then, uh, the initial appointment is about an hour in length and that's where we go over a detailed medical history, um, go through their chief concerns. And then because nine times out of 10, I've had that, um, fifth, 10, 15 minutes sort of chat with them, you know, several days or several weeks before I already have a pretty rough idea as to what I'm going to prescribe or recommend. Um, and then it's basically the last five, 10 minutes is talking about what that protocol looks like and then checking in with the patient, like, Hey, does this feel like it's an overwhelming protocol for you? Do you feel like I'm, you could do a little bit more and just checking in that way. Um, but yeah, and I, I guess the, the follow-up question that I typically get asked a lot by other patients is like, well, well how often am I going to see you? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, listen, I really enjoyed our company today, but if I'm seeing you every week, I'm obviously not doing my job. I don't want that to be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so depending on, I would say the majority of my patients were following up two weeks after the initial. And then after that follow-up, anywhere from four to six weeks after the fact, because it does take time for your body to sort of adjust to the things that I'm recommending. Um, And it's also, you know, an opportunity for the patient to sort of really work through any challenges that they might have with the protocol so that they can actually give me really good, useful information on that second follow-up. And then we can really tweak things then. Exactly. And and that's the, 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 the most important thing is you have to give time in between sessions, like even with your acupuncture, you know, it's hard because I have clients all the time. They're like, okay, well, can I get this again tomorrow? And it's like, no, you got to let your body heal and process what just happened. Right. So absolutely. You got to give it time. And that, that is crucial. So, you know, how do you, how do you recommend people go and find, you know, healthcare professionals? Like, do you have a website with your association, um, where people can hop on and, and find uh, a therapist in their local area? Or how does that work with you guys? Yeah, so we have, I'm part of the um, Provincial Association, the Federal Association. And so both of those, so the OAND, which is basically Ontario Association of Naturopathic Doctors, um, they're the provincial board. They have a site on their landing page where if you just go there, it says find an ND, you type in your postal code information, and you can find somebody within um within where you are. But I, and same thing with the CAND, which is the Canadian Association, which is our federal um, association. They have that same protocol. But what I would recommend patients is don't pick the ND that's just closest to you. Like literally pick three of them, call them up, do the sort of 10, 15 minute call and really, really figure out who you want to have on your healthcare team because it's, you know, I did the same thing. I'm a little bit sort of anal retentive when I 
include different people in my life, in my life, because even like with my accountant, I had four accountants that I was referred to. And I literally spent, I was like, are you able to give me 10, 15 minutes? Here's my case. How would you go about treating this? And for me, you know, I do this with all my healthcare practitioners that are in my, my model. Um, because ultimately if you, if a patient comes in and they picks an ND just because of location, you might get lucky and you might fall in love with that ND and just be like, oh my God, that was the most amazing thing. We truly connected, et cetera, et cetera. Or you might just be like, uh, I don't know. I'll give it like one or two treatments. Let's see where this goes. Mm -hmm. And then what can sometimes happen is that patient's just like, oh, well, that was, I didn't get the result that I was hoping for. Naturopathic medicine is bullshit. Exactly. Um, and yes. it's just like, yeah. And it's just like, no, man, like it's probably because on some whatever fundamental reason you guys didn't connect or you weren't really sort of resonating with the treatment protocol that they were offering you. And, and that's fine. It doesn't mean that all naturopathic medicine is a write-off. It just means that that way that that practitioner wanted to treat you wasn't working for you at that time in your life. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. So I always recommend, you know, doing that 10, 15 minute call and just having that conversation. Save yeah. yourself time and money. Oh, it's so true. You have to really tailor it to your lifestyle. And, and I think every, well, most professionals do have specialties, right? So if you really do your yeah. research and you really want to improve your overall well-being, research and try and yeah. then try again. Because, you know, I, I think every professional has a story where, you know, they meet a client and they're very skeptical or nervous. But then when you really open up and you get to know that person, they're like, oh, where have you been all my life? Like I've had, yeah. you know, terrible experiences with other professionals or um, different treatments or whichever. So it's, it is so vital to try and, and open your spectrum to, you know, different professionals, a hundred percent, you know, do you Absolutely. have any success stories with your, with your um, clients at all? Yeah, there is. Um, oh man, so many. Like, so I also practice a lot of cosmetic acupuncture in the last couple of years. And so when you see the before and after pictures, you're just like, just blown away. You're like, oh my God. Oh my God. This is amazing. Look at them now. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like so youthful, forever young. Um, <laughs> but it's also like those, those patients, it's funny because those patients come in and they have, you know, they're worried aesthetically how they're aging and they're not thinking about their diet, their lifestyle, stress, anything of the sort. And, um, I love getting into skin because to me, it's like a window as to what's going in internally. And so if a patient's going to come to me with skin care issues or concerns, I'm going to be basically, you know, meeting them where they're at, but I'm going to be planting seeds along the way so that they can start to look at, well, maybe your hormones are playing a role here, or maybe your gut health is impacting the way how your skin is aging, or maybe like the stress with your mother-in-law is just like through the roof and we need to address that. Um, so it's my sneaky way of sort of um, addressing the whole person, but by initially addressing their, their initial concerns. But, um, that aside, like I, I do work with a lot of hormone cases and, and chronic pain cases for the, for pelvic health and gut health. And the, the two that sort of come up, like when COVID hit, I had about six patients who were trying to conceive and, um, we were working on their stress and their gut health. And literally in the first I think first week or first 10 days of COVID, two of them came back and were like, so I'm pregnant. 
I'm like, oh of course you gosh. are. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, that's, that's crazy. But oh. also of course it would happen to you. Um, yep. at, in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, and then I just, I had a couple of other patients just come back and be like, yeah, I'm pregnant. And it's just like, this is, you know, like when, when you have shared so much time with a patient and you hear their health journeys and you, you're just, you're so, and this is probably my own issues that I need to work on myself because I do feel like I get invested with my patients. Um, and I do need to create a little bit healthier boundaries with that. Um, but you just, you hear people's stories and you hear their struggles. And when you see that they have these wins, you're just like, oh my God, like you, it's a win for you too. Yes. Um, and you know, things like pregnancies, that's awesome. I had one patient with, um, chronic anal fissures, chronic, uh, pelvic pain. And, you know, his pelvic floor therapist had made some amazing recommendations to make sure that, all of that was resolved through diet and through sort of the homework that was given for the pelvic health. And he was eventually referred to me about a month before COVID hit um, to help because no matter if he like, if he didn't eat a salad that day, it would for sure negatively impact his stools, which would then make his anal fissures worse. And you know, that's a sign that your body just isn't resilient enough. Like your body should be resilient enough that if you kind of fall off the bandwagon a little bit, it's not the end of the world. Um, so anyways, we implemented a treatment protocol for him and then COVID came around and he, his living arrangements changed such that this guy was pretty much eating pasta and rice, like the two things that will bung up anyone. And Yeah. And so as he's telling me this, I'm like, Ooh, I can't wait to hear the horror story that's about to happen now with this pelvic floor. And he's just like, no man, shockingly, I'm still having great poops. You know, my fissures haven't been aggravated. And I'm like, amazing because your, you know, the innate healing powers within your body have been challenged in such a way that it can be resilient where you might be having like the worst diet temporarily. Um, but you can still rebound from that. Um, so I, yeah, those are, I mean, I wish I could say I have like all these major transformative cases and, and I have like, when I think about Parkins, I had this one Parkinson's patient, um, and the tremors were just so nuts. Like he was breaking out into a full blown sweat in the appointment because of his tremors. And I, I had never at that point had seen somebody with that advanced Parkinson's. And I remember, um, we initiated a protocol with him. I said, come back in two weeks. He comes back, his bowels have improved. And again, he started to shake again. And I was like, you know what? I don't feel safe practicing acupuncture on your body, but I I had those Pinex needles, those intradermal needles. And I'm like, I'm going to humor myself because I just want to know. And so I'm like, we're going to put this needle on pericardium six. And so just as I was going to palpate that point between his wrists, he stopped shaking. And I, I looked at him and I was like, are you, I actually turned to him. I was like, are you fucking with me? (laughs) And he's just like, do you think I can stop my Parkinson's shakes? I was going to say, that would be pretty impressive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. Can you, are you like, what's happening here? And, um, and he just stopped. And so I let go of the pressure point and he started again. And I quickly ran for the intradermal and I pushed, I, I put it in 
and we had done both sides. And so he walked into that treatment room unable to, um, like he needed assistance because of the tremors and he walked out. I mean, he still had a bit of a tremor, but he walked out able to walk out, which is like, again, the power of acupuncture and the ways that you can modify it to help somebody, which was like, Um, man, I, I would, I I would have to like take a break after that treatment. I would have to process like how that happens. Like, yeah, that, that is past success. Like that is, you made it at that point. Like that is, yeah, that he actually was a case study for the contemporary acupuncture, um, sort of, um, newsletter that comes out a couple times a year. And I, I wrote up a case report on him because it was just such an interesting, immediate result that you know you can't cure this person but you can at least help to give them a little bit of quality of life that they didn't have before they met you Um, and I think that's that's that for me is like the ultimate goal like if I can prevent something from happening for you from a health standpoint awesome then like that's fantastic but if I can help to do anything to increase your quality of life to me that's a success story yeah and Parkinson's I can't tell you how many studies there are for that right now because of all the the really tough situations that they have to put their their body physically through every day and yeah. you know yeah. you know there's new medicines coming out all the time for it and and I hope you know one day we'll figure out the the magical you know effects of what we can do to cure it or whatever so yes that is definitely yeah. a condition that I always look into as well so that's beautiful yeah. that is so beautiful i love that wow is there anything else that you feel that you want like the viewers to know about yourself or the profession at all? Um, just again, every naturopathic doctor, I guess the strength in our profession is that every, we, we are taught multiple modalities. So we are taught diet, lifestyle, IV therapy, um, manipulations, um, chiropractic manipulations, um, just a whole host of things, supplements, uh, Asian medicine, homeopathy but every naturopathic doctor the the blessing and sort of the double-edged sword with that is that we each take what we want from that and we practice differently so I always tell patients that is why it's so important to interview that practitioner because you need to understand that their way of treating your case may be a little bit different to somebody else's way for treating it. Um, so yeah, and, and keep an open, uh, open mind. And, and definitely there has been, um, you know, like 10, 15 years ago, a lot of naturopathic doctors were kind of, um, touted as, you know, we will place our hands over your body and heal you through, you know, sounds and crystals and that naturopathic or that medical doctor is killing you with his antibiotics. And, you know, yeah, I think sure it, 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 it had its, its moment. Um, but definitely in the last 10 <laughs> years, we've been trained to be very evidence-based and really using science and blood work and, and other modalities that a traditional medical doctor would do, um, to really help assess their health. Um, so, you know, some of us, and, and to be fair, like there are some of my colleagues who still believe in a very, um, very interesting way of practicing. Um, and that's their way and they get their results. Um, so if that doesn't resonate with you, you know, find somebody who will, but the vast majority of us practice very evidence-based. Um, yeah, so that's it. And then follow me on Instagram. 
peeps. Uh, yes. What is your Instagram? Uh, so it's dr underscore crystal underscore and for Nancy D for doctor. So Dr. Crystal ND. Perfect. And I'll definitely post it on all our social media platforms so you guys can even just click it if you want. But Crystal, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate all the education that you provided us because heck, I even learned a lot today. So thank you so much. And uh, we'll tune in next time, guys. Thanks. Yeah, thank you for having me.